Science Faction is a show about unbelievable discoveries. Science Faction. You're listening to Science Faction. What do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain. If this deadly duo took over the world, they would probably kill off all the humans. First Denmark, Pinky. Then all of Scandinavia. But Brain's plans ultimately always end badly. Usually because they're impossible. Or because Pinky gets in the way. But the end of the world for humans is not an impossibility. The world, as we know it, could end. Here's how a few Montrealers think the world could end. I think the world is most likely to end by some sort of climate change effect on the world's food production. Something atomic going wrong. I think it's pollution. A lot of people are polluting this planet and it's killing our environment. Today on Science Faction, we're talking to three great researchers about three possible ways the world could really end. For our eighth and final show, we present... The End. Science Faction 101. We speak in the thousand most used words. The researchers we talk to don't. These thousand words come from... The Opka 5 text editor. Made by scientist... Theo Sanderson. <laughs> Theo Sanderson. We build on these accepted words using prefixes and suffixes. And we allow the use of numbers and names. From the names of people and places... To the names of life forms and scientific fields. We see these few little exceptions as key to bringing you stories factually and informatively. And now for the show... So yes, it's the end of science faction, but no, it is not the end of the world. Yet. Our idea for this show came from a recent CBC article called Four Ways the World Could Actually End. And we're talking about the three possible endings that we think science can actually do something about. The big three. Space rocks slamming into the earth. Uncontrollable diseases. And the continued warming of earth. Today's specialists each focus on one of these unimaginable endings. We asked them to join us for this show, first, because of their unbelievable work, and second, because of the particular situation they're all working in. Each one of them lives and works in Canada, where, for the past number of years, there's been a clear silencing of several scientists. As both scientists and concerned Canadians, Dalal and I felt like we had to take a minute to talk about this problem. There have been a number of cases of silencing. Like in 2011, when the Department of Fisheries and Oceans scientist Christina Miller was blocked from speaking to the press about her research suggesting that raising salmon is tied to a higher number of fish deaths and disease. Or later that same year, when Environment Canada didn't allow any interviews to take place after a team put out a paper stating that two degrees of warming may be unavoidable by the year 2100. 
By the time 2014 rolled around, a study made it clear that Canadian scientists face way more controls than Americans do when it comes to talking to the press and even to other scientists. As a stand against this, we're focusing today on homegrown science. Work that is trying to keep the world from meeting a fiery end. Enter Dr. Alan Hildebrand, here to tell us about Earth-killing asteroids. My name is Alan Hildebrand. I'm a planetary scientist. I'm an associate professor in the Department of Geoscience at the University of Calgary. Asteroids are small rocky bits that are left over from the formation of the solar system. All around our planet each year you have something like 7,000 entries. Most of which we don't even notice. They're usually small or land in the water and disappear. But every once in a long while? Every million years, let's say. We're hit by something big. Really big. And that gets noticed. It would be like fighting total global thermonuclear war over and over again 10,000 times. This kind of asteroid really could kill us all. In fact, it is the kind of asteroid that killed off all the dinosaurs. It was something like, let's say, seven kilometers in diameter. Getting hit by a seven-kilometer asteroid would completely change life on Earth. After this asteroid hit 65 million years ago, the world was a very different place. We can see a, a layer globally of dust that was blasted around the planet. This layer would block out the sun making it totally pitch dark down here on the surface of the earth and removal of sunlight leads all the vegetation to die acid rain which was burning the nitrogen in the earth's atmosphere the geologic record certainly seems unambiguous that uh, the entire earth's ecosystem took a severe hit on that day even a much smaller asteroid could have similar shock waves and kill off humans the exact size of the asteroid that would do this is not entirely known. It is thought that it takes a rock somewhere between one and two kilometers in diameter to cross this threshold to global environmental perturbation. The good news is... Approximately 90% of the near-Earth asteroids which might have been Earth impactors have now been found and had their orbits determined well enough to know that they are not going to impact the Earth anytime soon. But what about the other 10%? Well, for the last 20 years again, people have been thinking about, suppose we do find an asteroid which is going to impact the Earth, what can we do about it? The critical thing is here, how long before the asteroid impacts? You can imagine if you've got a dozen years before it will impact, you have different choices than if it's going to impact in two weeks. If you only had two weeks' notice, we really cannot do uh, very much. If you're in a situation where you had a dozen years, you can contemplate going out into space with a mission, altering the course of the asteroid. Why wouldn't we just, you know, like in the movies? Alan says that's not such a good idea because you end up breaking up one big asteroid into many smaller asteroids that are all still heading straight for Earth. A better idea would be to give the asteroid a push. It only takes a small push for its orbit to change enough so that it completely misses the Earth 
and the impact would be entirely avoided. By landing a spaceship on an asteroid, it becomes heavier, and this causes it to change courses. That is so cool. Another idea that sounds totally made up is just to paintball it. To actually go up to space with an oversized paintball gun and cover the asteroid in white paint. The lighter the asteroid is in color, the more sunlight bounces off the asteroid. And this new force actually pushes it further forward or in a different direction. So it seems like we have a few ways to overcome an Earth-killing asteroid. And that they're not so likely to hit Earth in the first place. Let's move on to the next of the big three. For this, we called up Canadian immunologist Dr. Matthew Miller. My name is Matthew Miller. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Biochemistry and Biomedical Sciences at McMaster University, and I'm also a member of the Institute for Infectious Diseases Research and the McMaster Immunology Research Center. Matthew studies influenza, or more simply, the flu. And here's something you might not know about the flu. Of all of the viruses that we know about, flu is by far the most dangerous. This is for a few reasons. Flu is a really, really diverse virus. It changes all the time, making new forms of itself. So your body has trouble recognizing it and fighting against it. Influenza, relative to a lot of the other agents that we are vaccinated against, is really unique because it's basically the, the only pathogen for which we need repeated vaccinations on an annual basis. And the reason for that is because uh, influenza virus is able to mutate really, really quickly. The way many diseases are managed is by adding a very small part of them into the human body so that the body can learn to make antibodies that are able to fight the disease. Just like we do with the flu shot. Since the flu changes so fast, that means that we have to rebuild antibodies every year. Every year when the flu season starts, um, we have vaccines generated against the strains that are, that are circulating that year. But there's a problem. The vaccine production and distribution process takes about eight months. In that eight-month window, if the strain changes, there's just no time to go back and remake the vaccine. That means that everyone that gets the flu shot could be protected against the wrong flu, if our best guess was wrong. The flu can then move easily from person to person and around the world as we move from place to place. Before you know it, it's everywhere. Influenza virus is the greatest infectious disease-associated risk to global health. However, a recent discovery is changing all this. A new class of antibodies in humans. These antibodies that were recently discovered bind to a region that's both conserved or the same among all flus, and also it, it's intolerant to mutations. If we could figure out a strategy to produce these antibodies in greater quantities, we might be able to generate an immune response that would protect people from all flus. A flu shot against all flus. If we could replicate this phenomenon with a vaccine, then we might be able to protect people via vaccination against lots of strains of flu. It would be realistic to think that it might be broadly available within seven years. In seven years' time, we might not have to worry about the flu at all. Instead, we'll have to worry about other diseases and come up with new ways to handle them. That is, if the third of the big three doesn't kill us first. 
global warming and is going to create disastrous consequences on our food production systems, you know, on the weather, storms, it's going to impact coastal communities. We're going to have fires like we're experiencing right now across the country. These are the problems that Marin Smith thinks will change people's lives around the world and at home. My name is Marin Smith. I'm the executive director of Clean Energy Canada. And we're a climate and energy think tank uh, based out of Simon Fraser University Centre for Dialogue. Marin believes that one way we can slow the Earth's warming is to use cleaner forms of power. We're talking about energy that's carbon free. So wind, solar, geothermal, marine renewable. But in Canada, we haven't been doing very much of this. Canada's really not in the circle of climate change leaders. Uh, we're not even in the room. In fact, the Climate Change Performance Index from the 2014 UN Climate Conference placed Canada dead last in how we're handling this problem. Number 58 among the world's largest emitters. And it's really, frankly, disappointing, I find. Really what we're advocating now is the federal government needs to not put all its eggs in one basket, which is what it's really been doing with the oil and gas sector. Canada, like many other places, needs to shift towards renewable powers and start changing our behavior in the way we interact with the world around us. Creating more walkable, livable communities and not traveling to work, for instance. Either you're living where you're working or you're working from home and not actually commuting to an office. The government needs to actually make a plan and start committing to actions. So for all you Canadians listening, come fall, let's change the situation our leaders have put us in. Vote. And on that note, we come to the end of the end. The end of Science Faction. A big thanks to all of our listeners and those that have helped with the show along the way. Thanks also to the almost 60 radio stations from coast to coast to coast that have broadcast Science Faction. We've had an awesome time putting this series together, and we hope you've enjoyed tuning in. Over and out. I'm producer Nick Schofield. Thanks for checking out episode 8 of Science Faction, The End. And thank you for listening. Faction is Dalal Hanna and Andrea Reed with sounds and music made by Nick Schofield and is supported by Jeanne Valentin. Visit us online at sciencefaction.ca. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thanks again. Yeah. <laughs>